0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're on our uh, season three of our series called Kingdom Culture, and we we just keep talking about it. And uh, we've been talking about the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom Culture is the set of attitudes, values, and goals, and practices of the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we're going to be talking about again today. So here at the Rhodes, we get excited about our Bibles. We believe it's the Word of God. It's the truth of the Word. So if you got your Bibles today, E-Rhodes family, North City, Mount Carmel, let's get together. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. <laughs> Woo! Takes a while to say Thessalonians. Sorry. Some of you are like, wait a minute, what happened to Matthew chapter 13? Pulled a fast one on you. Actually, the Lord's pulled a fast one on me all week. I said last week that uh, this week I was going to talk about the mark of the beast, and uh, I've learned my lesson that what I'm going to do from now on is just tell you I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray and seek the face of God, and then I'm going to talk about whatever he tells me to talk about. Because every time I make these promises, uh, I'm not always keeping them. So I've got my board in the room, and I was prepared for it today, and we're not going to get there today, but maybe another day. Another day. Sermon notes are available there in your worship guide. Uh, they will be partially accurate. They will. <laughs> you, you, version Bible app. You got some sermon notes on there. Maybe a little more accurate, but still only partial. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna swing from the uh, or swing. Maybe we're just gonna work from the hip a little bit today. A little bit different on how we're gonna operate, but we're trusting God. The purpose of this series is to remind people. That this world that we're living in is not all that there is I feel uh, continually urged by God to remind the body of Christ that this world is not just about flesh and blood and jobs and people and what's going on in society and viruses and masks and and all of these things all those things are relevant they're things that are taking place and we're we talk about that and we'll, we'll talk about it more in the coming days but the thing that we have to remember at the root of that, at the crux of all of it, is that we are living in times where there is spiritual issues greater than physical issues. And how we're supposed to address this world is important if we understand that. It's bringing a, an awakening to the body of Christ that humanity is not just in the midst of racial problems or political problems or health problems, it is in the midst of spiritual battle. Ultimately, you can play it out in all these different categories, but ultimately, the root of everything that we're dealing with is we are in a spiritual warfare. It's important to remember that. The age we're living in is a conflict of two different agendas, the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness comes to what? To steal, kill, and destroy. The kingdom of God comes to bring life and life more abundantly. Two different agendas at work every single day it's going on 24/7 365. It takes no holidays. This is what's happening. So we are in a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. But what we have to remember that spiritual battle does play out in the physical. In other words, we will see the effects of it in our physical world. But here's what's encouraging. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm just going to read this to you. It says for the weapons of our warfare, wait a minute. It tells us right away, we are in a warfare. Maybe not so great news for everybody. We're in a warfare. But we have weapons for our warfare. So in other words, God's saying to you and I, you are in a warfare, but good news, you're equipped for it. You're built for it. You're made for it. You've got what you need to go through it. Don't get discouraged like, I'm in a warfare. Yes, but you're equipped for it. It'd be one thing for God to say, Chad, you're going to have to go through war, and I'm not sure you're going to make it. But he says, no, Chad, you're going to go through warfare, but I've equipped you for that thing that I've called you to walk through. So I've given you weapons for it. They're not fleshly weapons. They're not carnal, but they are what? They are mighty in God for pulling down the strongholds. So this is what we're equipped with. This is what you're made with. You have mighty weapons. Look at your neighbor and say, you're mighty. You're mighty. You're mighty. The battle that we're in is not for victory. It has already been provided for us by Jesus. Jesus has already given us everything that we need. Our responsibility is to find out what Jesus provided for us. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, he said these words It is finished. What did he mean? He was saying, My assignment, what I'm supposed to do, is done. I came to the cross. Now, once he died and gave up his spirit, then he was buried in the grave and went into hell and spent three days. The Bible says that the spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible also says without the resurrection from the dead, our faith is in vain. So now Jesus died, buried, resurrected. Everything we need has already been done. Already been done. God's already provided. Now, here's our responsibility find out everything that Jesus provided for us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and to defend it and enforce it against opposing forces. That's the job of the Christian. This is what I'm speaking to, and it's what I'm encouraging you. The kingdom has come. When Jesus came to the earth, he said, Repent, change the way you think, for the kingdom. Is now here. I'm bringing it here. So now it's in your hand. The kingdom is at hand. Now, hold. if you've got your Bible or you've got your phone, hold it out here and say, the kingdom, the kingdom is at hand. In your hand is the kingdom of heaven. It's right there. So now you and I have access to everything Jesus died to give us, but now we have to enforce it. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. So now, what's going on in our country and around the world is not, much to the surprise of some people, it's not Republican versus Democrat. It's not conservative versus liberal. It is good versus evil. Christ versus Antichrist. It's what I'm going to emphasize a lot today, because I want people to remember, we're warring a lot against each other, and we're forgetting that it is the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. Not like God's trying to beat Satan. Satan's already been beaten. It's us on the earth enforcing Jesus' victory as the kingdom of darkness is allowed to operate in the world. So it's good versus evil, Christ versus antichrist. I just want to pray and just allow God to speak right now. Holy Spirit, come. Teach the word. Do what you can do that no one else can do. I yield. I pray for revelation and clarity right now, Holy Spirit. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Look at 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to start in chapter 1. It's an audible. I pulled in the first service. we were going to start in chapter 2. We're going to get to chapter 2, but I want to read chapter 1, starting in verse 5. It says in verse 5 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Anybody want to be worthy of the kingdom of God? Woo, that sounds good, doesn't it? Let's be worthy of the kingdom of God. All right, look to the next part. For which you also suffer. Anybody still want to be worthy of the kingdom of God? Hands still going down. See, Worthy of the kingdom of God. If we're going to be worthy of the kingdom of God, again, this is encouragement to the body of Christ. You may not sound, may not sound like encouragement, but I'm giving you encouragement. We will suffer for the kingdom of God. It's going to happen. We're trying to equip and prepare people for the days at hand. Instead of we're not trying to hide, we're not trying to dodge it, we're saying it's coming, but we're prepared. Anybody else prepared? All right, it's the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. So do you have to repay people that wrong you? No, God's going to do the repaying. You don't have to repay them. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. You don't have to repay people. God will take care of you. He is your rear guard. he will repay with tribulation those who trouble you. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when? When do we get this rest? When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. When can we expect rest and relaxation? When Jesus comes back. Why am I saying that? Because I think people are shocked, either they haven't been taught or they haven't been reminded that we have to fight. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Last week I said, endure hardship as a good soldier. See, we get to rest, when Jesus comes back, and let me just tell you, it's going to be a long rest. It's called eternity. So wear yourself out now. Because you're going to get a long rest coming up. You ever, ever had a coach say, hey, give me all you got for these next three minutes right before halftime? You get a rest coming up, so go all out right now. Well, God's saying, hey, the clock's ticking. So go all out because Jesus is going to come back. Look what he says. They will give you rest when Jesus, the Lord Jesus, is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Taking vengeance on those who do not know God. That's not Jesus coming back right now. Just ignore that sound. <laughs> if you're watching online, there's like a helicopter or something going over. I just tell them it's not the Lord. It'd be a trumpet, and I'd already be gone. I mean, it's like <laughs> I don't know about you. I'm gone. <laughs> so this Bible, boom, it's hitting the floor. See ya. Anyway, it's gone. <laughs> What was I saying? In flaming fire. (laughs) So Jesus is coming back with his mighty angels. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. Taking vengeance. That sounds harsh. Taking vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know there's coming a day? This is why I want to remind us of heavenly perspective. We're living in a world where people are fighting against people. And we're forgetting that Jesus and the kingdom of God is the focal point. Eternity is our focal point. So we're not mad at people. We're mad at devils. We're not mad at individuals and humans. We may disagree with each other on issues and things that we're facing. That's totally fine. Just don't get mad and hate each other. Have a difference of opinion. Say, I see it this way, you see it that way. But what God's wanting us to do is make sure we be careful about where we get the source of our information. Because here's what I've found. The source of our information will provide two things. It will provide us perspective on our situation, and it will also provide us a solution on our situation. Let me say it again. I went too fast. The source of your information for current events, life, whatever, the source of your information will provide you a perspective. I didn't say it's right or wrong. The source you choose will give you a perspective. How do I know that? Watch one news network versus another one on the exact same issue, you'll get different perspective. Right? It will also provide you a solution. So the source of my information, so here's what I'm going to say quickly. We need to make sure that our source of information is coming from the Word of God and not so connected to a news source that I begin to look at it for my perspective and my solution. I'm going to challenge some of you. Some of of you think that uh, conservative news is Christian. Uh, Here's what I'm saying. I can get a perspective from a news network, and it can tell me the solution, and it may not be God. What I'm trying to say is this, every bit of the solutions I need to look for is in the Word of God, and the source is Jesus. That's the we got to look at it. because if not, I begin to wrestle against flesh and blood. If not, I begin to let that news network tell me, well, if we just had another person, this person, this person would fix all my problems. They're not going to fix all my problems. Jesus is going to fix all my problems. Well, then we get stirred up and say, well, if we get this person and that person and this person and that person, there is one person. His name is Jesus. He is the source. So this is what we're talking about. He's got to be the one we look to for our answers. Look what he's going to do. He's going to take vengeance, vengeance. <clears throat> Sounds angry. Here's something you need to know about vengeance with God. Vengeance with God is not retaliation b- because of anger. That's what people do. People get vengeance because they get mad and they get even. Right? Here's what vengeance is with God. Vengeance is with God a love for justice. Very big, important distinction. Vengeance with God is a love for justice. So what he's take, taking vengeance on is not anger at people who are on a, have a certain perspective on an issue. It is a love of justice. So he's coming and he's going to bring justice in the end. And it says those who don't know God and those who do not obey said these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because their testimony among you was believed. Look what's going to happen on that day when Jesus comes. On that day, he's going to be glorified in the saints and admired among all those who believe. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be a glorious day for those who call Jesus their Lord and Savior. Oh, they're going to shout. It's going to be exciting. But if you don't know Jesus, if he's not your Lord and Savior, it will be the worst day of your life. You know how one situation can happen, and there can be opposing, polarizing responses to that one situation? We see it every day. Guess what? The coming of Jesus is going to be no different. For one camp, it's going to be the best thing ever. Yes, there's Jesus and the angels. For the rest of the camp, it's going to be, oh, no. I missed it. I sat in church services every Sunday because my parents made me come, and I thought that was good. I was a pretty good kid, but I never really repented and asked Jesus to be the Lord in my life, and there he is. I didn't know if he was real or not. I just thought it was stories in a book, and I thought it was just stuff they talked about. I thought it was just theory, but no, it's real. There he is, and in that moment, it'll be too late. Like, Chad, why, why are you being so passionate Because that day is coming. And my father's heart is gripping me because he said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I hear him saying, Chad, I want all to be saved. So tell him time is short. Tell him. So I'm telling you, get right with Jesus. I didn't say be more moral. I didn't say start doing good things and stop doing bad things. I'm saying repent and give your life to Jesus Christ and be born again. Be born again. Don't start attending church. Attend church because you're born again. Attending church won't get you in. Let's go to chapter 2. i got to hurry. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, Not to be. So Jesus is coming. Anybody agree with me that Jesus is coming back? We're going to be gathered together. Not to be soon. He says, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind. Let's stop and look at that. Shaken in mind. That word shaken means to waver back and forth, to become emotionally unsettled. Anybody in this time in life feel emotionally unsettled other than me? Anybody ever feel shaken back and forth? This week has been mental torture for me. People are excited for me, for the pain that I've been going through. No, I know that's not what you meant. But I'm serious. I mean, it has been very difficult. Feeling the weight of people coming to listen to me, to talk about what to do in this day, in this hour, in my face before the Lord, I say, God, I have nothing to give him. I know who I am. I'm Chad Everett. I ain't much. So what do you want me to do? I'm feeling that over, and I'm, I'm feeling the tension of that. I'm feeling I need to be right on this issue and right on that issue, and I, I need to be correct about this perspective and feeling all the way to that, God's just like, hey, stop. Stop. I never called you to be the answer, man. I never called you to have all the right answers. I called you to be a voice. I called you to be one that's going to be a conduit for people to, for me to flow through, that people will connect to Jesus and encounter the presence of God. He told me, he said, Chad, I want you to stop trying to build a church. I never called you to build a church. I'm like, what? I thought that's how I knew I was doing good. He said, that's your problem. You thought you're called to build a church. He said, that's my job. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to change my perspective? How do you want me to view it? He said, I want you to make disciples. I want you to encourage and build up and strengthen the body of Christ, but I will build the church. I want you to speak the truth, I don't want you to hold back, I don't want you to be timid, I want you to be bold, I want you to say what I put in your heart. That's what he's asking me to do. The responses to it, sometimes I'm going to get, and sometimes I'm going to get. But I'm not doing it for response. He told Jeremiah, do not be afraid of their faces, because some will love you today and hate you tomorrow. So I'm telling you the best that I can. I want to make sure that we're not shaken in mind. So I'm trying to stabilize my mind. So what's the opposite of being shaken? I'm glad you ask. Second Timothy chapter 1 says this, "For this reason I also suffer these things; nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I know who I have believed and am persuaded." Somebody say persuaded. Persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. So until that day, what's well that day when Jesus returns with his angels in fiery vengeance? Until that day, he says, "I am persuaded." Here's what persuaded means: to convince someone to believe to the extent that their actions change to match their new belief. Do you know that we can co- cognitively believe in something and not be persuaded? There's a lot of things we can believe in, but not be persuaded. Because what's persuaded me? Persuaded means now my actions match up with what I say I believe. Well, I believe in God. Then your actions should be evident of that belief, or you're not Persuaded. It's the uh, story analogy could be this, the man who uh, tight roped a walk, I think it was at Niagara Falls, and he had a bicycle, and he was going to ride a bike across Niagara Falls on this, this little rope, and, and he had a basket there in his, on his bicycle, and he said, how many people to the crowd, and he had walked over, uh, just walked over and did some things so people saw that he could do it. He said, how many people believe that I can ride this bike across this rope? Everybody's hand, I believe, I believe. He said, all right, who's ready to get in the basket? Hands went down. Why? There's a difference in believing in and being persuaded. The persuaded one jumps up. Let's go, buddy. Because I'm persuaded. See what happens. He says, don't be shaken in mind. When I'm shaken, I'm not persuaded. This week, I've been shaken. I'm leaving this service to go and do a funeral for a dear friend of mine that should not be dead. My heart is aching today. But I said, Lord, when it happened, you know, I prayed. I don't know if anybody's ever been like this. You ever prayed for something and it not always played out the way you wanted it to play out? Anybody else? So you prayed for something it didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen. And so in the moment, I get shaky. I, I'm on shaky ground, and, and I'm not sure what to do. But he says, he says, listen, here's what you need to do. Whenever you're getting shaken, he says, I need you to go back to being persuaded. I need you to find something that you're persuaded about because I stand over here, and I'm shook. I don't understand, God. I'm, I'm not understanding what's going on. I'm not understanding why. He says, in those moments, i got to find out what I'm persuaded about and move off the shaking stuff and get onto where I am persuaded. I don't know about this. And so what happens, instead of asking God to come and fix my shaky circumstances, I need to go back to what I am believing and persuaded about and look at my shaky things and say, God, from my persuaded position, I'm going to trust you with my shaky circumstances. I don't know about that. But here's what I do know: God is good and his mercy endures forever. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. He is my savior, he's my deliverer. I am persuaded. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I commit to him until that day. So until that day, my shaky moments have to be overridden by my persuaded moments. Mm, mm, mm. I'm not persuaded about everything, but i got to find what I'm persuaded about. He says, don't be shaken in mind or troubled. The word troubled means to be in a state of fear. Folks, in our world today, fear is driving people to lose their minds. It's causing people to lose rational thought. But this is not unprecedented. In your Bible, in 2 Kings... There was a famine, and the famine was so bad that people were starving. Here's how bad it was, and here's how fear will cause people to be irrational. Two mothers got together. One mother says to the other mother, Let's boil your son and eat him today, and tomorrow we'll boil mine. Two mothers about their children. You tell me that's rational thought. That's what fear will do. So what did they do? The one mom says, okay, and they boiled her son and ate him. The next day, she goes to the woman and says, all right, it's your turn, and she had hidden her son. So the distraught People out of fear were losing their mind and their ability to process thought. And this is what the enemy's doing. He's overwhelming people with fear. They're getting so fearful that they're just willing to embrace anything. Stop being full of fear and let's get full of the word of God. I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the specific answers and all the applications. But I know where I'm going to get them. I'm not going to get them from a news network. I'm going to get them from chapter and verse. I'm not going to get them from an organization or or a place that's telling me when I can consider myself safe. I'm going to let the word tell me when I'm safe. That's a little passionate. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I lost my place. I closed my Bible. For that day will not come unless, oh yeah, where were we? Don't be shaken mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. Here's what I want to finish with today. Folks, let no one deceive you by any means. In other words, there's going to be many means by which we can be deceived. God is preparing the body of Christ for a time, an unprecedented time, where deception will be at an all-time high. For deception to be at an all-time high, that means we will have opportunity to be deceived about a lot of things. This is why you need to know your Bible. You need to turn off the news, stop flipping through feeds, open up your Bible, and say, God, I will not be deceived. I will not be deceived. I'm telling you, and I'm saying this with all humility, I will not be deceived by the grace of God. Why? Not because I'm smarter than anybody else, but I know the source I'm going to go to, and I'm going to stay humble. I'm going to stay hungry because I want to know the truth of the word of God. But look what's going to happen. That day when Jesus returned, it's not going to happen unless two things happen. Number one, the falling away. That means Yielding to deception, departing from God, departing from the faith. There's going to be a falling away before Jesus returns. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Who's the man of sin and the son of perdition? That is the Antichrist. So here's what's going to happen. Before Jesus returns, according to this passage, the man of sin, the Antichrist, will be revealed. He says that day will not come unless two things happen. Number one, a falling away comes first and the man of sin, son of perdition, is revealed. That's what it says here as we read the scripture. So do I need to be prepared? The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 1, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. There's going to be many false prophets. We've got to be ready. What's he going to do after he's revealed? The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. How will I know the Antichrist, chat? How will I know who he is or the spirit of the Antichrist? Remember this about the Antichrist. It's not just a person. It is a spirit. It is not a political party. The Antichrist is not um, attached to only A certain political party. The Antichrist spirit, remember, it is Christ versus Antichrist, good versus evil. So he's telling us, how will I know the spirit of the Antichrist? Anyone who opposes Christian principles is Antichrist. I'm going to be blunt. Anyone whose ideology or principles go against Scripture, that ideology is Antichrist ideology. You cannot sugarcoat it. That's what it is. You have to embrace it. If it goes against it, if it opposes all that is called God, mark it down. I don't care what they feel. I don't care what they identify with. I don't care what they say. I don't care what feelings are hurt. Call it what it is. It is exposing the antichrist agenda. Praise the Lord. Speak the word. Speak the word. Matthew chapter five, verse 12, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who gets the kingdom of heaven? Those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you when they revile you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, for my name's sake. Blessed am I? (laughs) I don't feel very blessed. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. I don't wanna rejoice. For great is your reward in heaven, For so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Here's where I'm going to pick up at some point. I think next week, but I'm not going to say that anymore. What the church needs to realize, I'm going to summarize this with one thought here. The Antichrist is going to be revealed in the earth, but there's an Antichrist spirit already at work in the earth. And here's the agenda of the Antichrist. Are you ready? To kill as many people as possible. That's his agenda. To wipe out population as much as possible. He comes to steal, to kill and destroy. So what do we need to do? Chad, boy, that's a very encouraging word. Thank you. Amen. Let's go. What we've got to remember is just because we're aware of the enemy's devices, we don't forget about our mighty weapons. God did not put the church in the midst of darkness so we could go, wow, it's sure dark. He didn't put the church in evil times so we should go, wow, I hope I survive it. He put the church, the church not being a building, it means you. He put believers in an evil time so that we could be light in darkness, so we could see change happen, so that people will look at you and go, what is it about you that's different? What is it about you that makes me want to serve God? We have to be in this evil time so we can change it and influence it. Bring the kingdom, bring the kingdom. So here's what I believe God's wanting us to focus on today, to be prepared, evil's coming. I believe it's my job, one of my assignments is to help the church be ready when the Antichrist is revealed. You're like, people's like, well I'll be long gone before the Antichrist is revealed. I hope so, it just seems to me that 2 Thessalonians says we'll still be here. And we'll talk about that more in the future.